I'm Anne-Marie, and I am so happy to be here with all of you today. So, the 8th will be my first Women's Day. Because I'm not one year of age, it might be more like my 31st, but it will be the first Women's Day I've known existed, and I am celebrating it with all of you. It's also a bit of a weird day for me because I've never had the most straightforward relationship with my own gender. The end of primary school for me was a time where I wanted to be neither a boy nor a girl. The girl was the gender I was assigned at birth, but I really didn't want to be a boy. I wanted just to simply be. And despite having spent puberty and young adulthood trying to conform to femininity, because I've always generally felt more feminine than masculine, I feel pretty much the same way as I did now as I did in grade five, not wanting to conform to either gender. As a child, I had a strong desire to be active in my church, but unfortunately for me, I was a Catholic. I wasn't allowed on the altar for more than the 10 seconds it took me to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. And maybe this was for the best, but I was not allowed to be an altar boy. Because of the gender I was assigned at birth, I was forbidden from having any visual responsibility in my church. Religious worship across the board, theologically, is an embodied element far greater than the words that we hear, than the songs that we sing. Excluding people who are not cis men from serving in the front of a church is not just limiting the power that they have, it is limiting the embodied spiritual experience that they can have during worship. It is limiting the extent of interaction they can have with the divine. Take a moment to look up at me now and see me as a little kid, as a rejected altar boy. Sometimes it's great to be you, you. So this is not a sermon on gender identity, uh, but if it was, it would be 12.53 seconds. I'll give you a mini one. <laughs> Basically, here it is. Being your authentic self is always cool, especially when it means living into your gender alignment fully and expressing yourself without worrying too much about the world around you. There's gender identity. <laughs> oh, so the reason I'm bringing my own gender identity up in front of you is just because I want to be honest about the perspective that I'm preaching from. It's also important to recognize that today, really any day, um, gender is a social construct and has always been a spectrum. For the rest of the sermon, I'm going to be using gendered language, but I want you to know that I'm doing so, in doing so, I'm using language to represent either side of that spectrum. So we've arrived at that moment, the real start of my sermon, where we discuss how being socialized female is multifaceted, confusing, overwhelming, and at times, unfair experience. So let's start with language. Um, my partner, he's right there, <laughs> is a non-native English speaker. 
and he asked me word questions sometimes. So he asked me what the female version of a, a single, non-married man, a bachelor was. Seemingly easy question. <laughs> but it took me a while to come up with any answers, and I still don't have a good one. The word bachelorette doesn't really make its way into our regular use outside of pre-wedding shenanigans. There's maiden, which sounds really antiquated. I don't hear it a lot in 2023. Uh, the other words I could think of had some really rough connotations, not much worse than curse words. I'm just going to say them, though, because I want to emphasize how much worse they sound than bachelor. Uh, spinster. Ew. Uh, but it does have an interesting history. A spinster used to be a man or a woman that spun yarn for a living. By the beginning of the 18th century, the term had evolved just to mean a single woman because an unmarried woman would have to make a living on her own, and that would often be as a spinster because it was, as you might guess, one of the only jobs available to her. So the other one I could think of I just hate uh, old maid. <laughs> if you can, if you come up with any more, come see me after the service. Um, and here's the crazy thing: it turns out that characterizing unmarried women in other languages can be even worse. I learned up learned from a stand-up comedy routine that I then went on to fact check, because I'm a professional, um, <laughs> that in China, the most common word for a single woman over 30 translates to leftover woman. <laughs> and that's true across different Chinese dialects. It's, it's just true, unfortunately. Um, there's a word that means leftover man. But according to my research, it's not nearly as commonly used. However, there are some very helpful terms to describe a single man over 30 in, in China. Um, there's one that is quite common. It translates to golden bachelor. <laughs> not a bad nickname. Uh, another one uh, used, which I think is even more dramatic, for an older unmarried man, that is the diamond bachelor. <laughs> I just hate this. <laughs> so I know that language is dynamic and ever-changing, and we as members of the human race can express ourselves however we see fit and even reclaim yucky words. All of these words that I've mentioned, I don't like these words. I don't even think they're worth reclaiming. Let's go back to English. Um, so here are some words that I want us to think about, characterize the way that we, we see and regard women. Housewife. What is the male version of that? I've not yet met a self-identified house husband, I went to the reliable Google. Uh, Google suggested homemaker, uh, 
and the really helpful male housewife. <laughs> How often do we use those terms, though? And what really is the connotation of housewife? It's not usually used as a compliment, right? Here's another word, mistress. That's a word, according to Merriam-Webster, that means a woman other than his wife with whom a man is having a continued sexual relationship. Somehow, this word is used to criticize the woman who is in this relationship, as though she, as a seductress, is the one to blame for the man's infidelity. It's one of those words that when we use it, we use it critically. A word that you might use to describe a single man engaging in an extramarital affair with a married person is a paramour, but it's a little more romantic and positive, and it's not even exclusive to men in the first place. Being socialized female isn't all bad, though. I think it's easier to support or join mutually supportive communities as a woman. While couples celebrate Valentine's Day, it's really common that girls, women, single, married, partnered, whatever, they'll celebrate a Galentine's Day and really lean into female or femme love. Cis straight men don't always even have any outlet where they can express love for other men in their life free from judgment or homophobia. It is more socially acceptable for women to have a variety of friends who serve different roles, and our language reflects that. We have terms like gal pal, sister friend, bestie, work wife, right? Even the terms best friend is more commonly used by women. I don't think it's a coincidence that I call an amazing woman my best friend. Well, my partner, who's a male, doesn't have one. I think it's because we live in a society that doesn't encourage that and perhaps doesn't even allow it. Let's explore a couple more examples of how language looks at the way we examine gender. When we refer to planet Earth, we call her Mother Earth, right. Something about the great outdoors evokes the divine feminine. And what about the concept of mothering? Mothering, as in, I'm feeling a bit ill and I need to be mothered today. Mothering, of course, has a female connotation, but isn't really a word that we use just to describe mothers. Dolly Parton, who has no kids, and she has shared publicly that she's never been pregnant, has said that at some point she just realized she's everyone's mother. And she's lived into this. She's given away more than 186 million age-appropriate books to children over the years to promote literacy and really remarkably has transitioned seamlessly from a sex symbol to a maternal figure. 
Another classic example of America's mom is Oprah Winfrey. She made the choice to not become a mother again as an adult. However, when she was 14, she was abused, which resulted in her getting pregnant and the baby didn't survive infancy. She in the public eye now is a hopeful maternal figure, someone who gives hope to people that are suffering, who gives gifts to those in need. The femininity, the mothering aspect of her leadership is what gives her the power and makes her the woman that she is today. And so I have to mention fathering. So usually when we say to father a child, it just means to do the act of impregnating a person. It's not deeper than that. And amazingly, in the car on the way here, I was speaking to my partner, whose native language is Flemish. And he had a light bulb moment. He realized there's not even a word for fathering in Flemish. So this Women's Day, let's take a moment to breathe together and reflect on how we are influenced by either masculinity or femininity. And since we've been reflecting on language, can you think of a word to describe it? Can you think of a time that somebody's used gendered language to put down you or somebody you know? Give us a moment here to breathe and reflect. Okay, and how about a time that words were used, gendered words were used to lift you up or somebody you know up? We'll take one last moment to reflect on any non-gendered words that might have come up because we've just sent a very short search for words. So just one last breath. And that's enough reflecting for the moment. But this Women's Day, let's try to celebrate femme folks by using our words to lift one of them up. Certainly, there has to be someone in your life that deserves a kind word or two. And I offer that you find them and empower them with whatever words you choose. So happy Women's Day and amen. Thank you.